Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats my face. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining me, as always, for today's midweek update is Eric from ES Invests. How are you doing today, Eric? Great. All right, but before we start talking about the news today, I'd like to just take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and with the new and improved 2.0 version of the Weed Whacker now available, it's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2 Bulls at manscaped.com. As always, that's the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than tradeproacademy.com. In the free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you DGENs who enjoy trade and futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies over at Overflow Labs. And anybody who's not following Eric yet on Twitter or YouTube or OnlyFans, they need to uh, jump on that train, uh, get some of the best related market content out there. We're going to have to be careful about the OnlyFans thing because it's only a matter of time before like a bot. I don't have one like on a for real note. There's going to oh, be don't? a bot that make Yeah, there's going to be what? a bot that makes one. What and, am I watching then? Well, those those are just messages, <laughs> Kyle. Oh, That's oh. just it's called a DM. They're not but, your feed? Yeah, I do. Oh, <laughs> those are my dog's feed. <laughs> oh, God. All right. And then lastly, uh, be sure to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. You can do that via email at twobowls at financialineptitude.com. You can join that free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Put all those links in the episode description as well. 
Uh, speaking of corrections, I actually got one from Robert. Uh, he informed me when I could not remember who the largest bank failure was. It was actually Washington Mutual in 2008. Uh, that is actually a bit of a segue. We were talking about SVB um, last week with um, um, Sue Mackey. But with all the uh, banking turmoil that's been going on this past week, I feel like that's probably where we should uh, kick off today. So, Eric, you've been paying any attention to what's going on in the banking world? Yeah, the the movement's been really fascinating. Um, I had a couple pairs trades built out and whatnot. I, I've been trading a, a lot of the movement, mm-hmm. um, but... I do have to say the the credit suite stuff today and whatnot, that was a curveball. I didn't expect that to to unfold. So what was the deal with Credit Suisse? Was it just because their largest investor just decided to not invest more money? Is that is that the only reason? Or is this all the other stuff that's been going on with them? Yeah, it's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of history which I'm still learning about. And I think it's dangerous to go too far um on partial information, but Essentially, the Swiss, the Swiss National Bank said it could provide some assistance to Credit Suisse if needed. Um, but like the fact that there's even that kind of dialogue starting to emerge is a bit of a problem. Right. So uh, I did find a summary of the scandals that have plagued them in recent years. So uh, this is going back. Let's see. In 2020, they hired private detectives to spy on former executives led to the departure of their CEO in February of 2020. They lost nearly $6 billion in March 21 after the Archegos Capital Management imploded and defaulted on its loans from the Swiss lender. Still trying to recover about $2 billion of the roughly $10 billion it had tied up in that whole Greensill catastrophe. Uh, they were fined for making fraudulent loans dubbed tuna bonds to Mozambique's government between 2012 and 2016. Uh, the chairman was forced to resign in January after an internal investigation found he violated COVID-19 quarantine rules to attend Wimbledon, and the previous CEO has resigned for personal health reasons last July. So a lot of turnover and turmoil at that company. I cannot say that it surprises me. No. I think the thing that surprises me is that we still continue to be surprised by them having problems. Them and HSBC and I think I saw. I think I saw HSBC actually purchase the uh, the UK arm of SVB. Yep. And then what? Do, what is it? Deuce, deuce, deuce. However Deutsch. the fuck you say that. Deutsch, the Deutsche Bank. Listen, man, <laughs> just, we speak American out here. You just want to say douche. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it. We're starting to see the typical. It, it, after the past weekend, I thought this this wasn't going to be the route we were going to take. And it looks like we are starting to go down that route, which is just very entertaining to me. The route of calling Deutsche Bank douche bank or the route of bank failures uh, becoming a thing again? Both. Ah. Yes. <laughs> both, both of those. Uh, that's kind of scary, though. I mean, uh, 2008 was not a fun time to live through. Concur. And I think ideally, it, you know, we won't necessarily go quite that far, but yeah, it definitely is not a super appealing turn of events, especially with what I was reading about Credit Suisse and the um like the the risk profile that they had. The 
SVB bank risk profile surprised me. And then it doesn't, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we make the same fucking mistakes and it just continues to chug that way. So I, I don't get it. Right. Well, at least they're not bailing them out this time. I mean, that's, um, that's uh, talking heads on Twitter calling for that. And I'm glad that they decided at least so far to not do that. Um, it's good that they're making everybody whole on their deposits, but not protecting the, the people who, uh, you know, what's the word, uh, ran a company into the ground basically through poor risk management controls. Yeah. Uh, what was the, like, they were like really upside down on bonds. Right. And I think now the question is like, how many other banks maybe are in the same situation? Well, you mean, uh, SVB? Yeah. 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 That, well, that definitely was, was part of their issue was the bond position that wasn't hedged. And then there was a draw on liquidity, but I I don't know the full picture. Uh, let me see if I can find anything actually about Credit Suisse, and see if I can get any detail on their on their finances. I had something here. Let me see if I can figure it out. I think they sent out something about about needing to raise cash or something. But where the hell is it? Uh, so the number one investors recently as last year has already cut their entire stake over the past few months. They owned about 10% of them as of August of last year. They slashed it to 5% in January and then recently reported that their holdings are zero now. Right. And then do you, did you catch the stuff on the Saudi National Bank? Yeah, they they warned they would not be able to invest more cash without raising its stake above the regulatory limit of 10%. Yep. So it sounds like they're using that as an excuse, but... It doesn't say why they would want that now. Why they would want what now? Why they would need uh, um, investors to be pouring more money into it. It's the same. It's just kind of the same dialogue around SVB, man. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if people, I think people got a little bit sleepy and they forgot, you know, that bank doesn't hold all the money and <laughs> there is a liquidity <laughs> problem. Like I, I genuinely think that's a big part of what we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, do you pay attention to credit default swaps? Uh, I Yeah. I mean, I monitor them. It's saying here that Credit Suisse is as high as 1,200 basis points on Wednesday. Good Lord. The good part is it's a super tradable event. That's been, that's really been the, the, the takeaway for me. This is kind of the, exactly what we were talking about before we started recording. I think it's really interesting to understand the inner workings of these things, mm-hmm. but I do think people get wrapped up around the axle about either one of two things happens. I think people either they spend all of their waking time attempting to understand all of the interdependencies and the movements and why they happen and coming up with a discrete story. Mm -hmm. Or I think the other scenario is somebody foolishly poses a really simple narrative that they think is what happened. And then they believe that that is to be true and they trade off of that. Right. Yeah. And I think both of those are super dangerous approaches to complex systems like this. And, you know, like we're talking about for, for traders, I think it's good to analyze and understand how things work. It helps us with contextual understanding, but I think it is so important to compartmentalize the theoretical and more process driven understanding versus the practical application of the trading skill set. The real thing, the real danger is where you think that, just because this event had this results that the next time you see that event, it's going to play out the same way. And that's not the case exactly because it's not yeah. that simple. Yep. Exactly. So you said, uh, 
So are you actually trading on Credit Suisse? Because I didn't think you messed with penny stocks. No, not not Credit Suisse itself. Um, not yet, at least. Okay. So at the beginning of the week, I was trading. I really wanted to trade SVB. I know. Um, I, I pulled them up on Friday and was like, why is there nothing on there? <laughs> yeah, that, that re- real bummer that they couldn't turn the switch on for that. Um, yeah. But no yeah. Now, essentially, since they're dead, um, I was trading the the other banks. So I was trading the total S&P 500 bank sector via XLF. Mm. I, I was yeah, yeah. a mix between um, long volatility and short deltas. And then I actually had a handful of stronger entities within XLF that I was structuring pairs trades around. And then more importantly than all of that, um, and one of one of those that was just a, a really great trade was uh, Schwab. I, I traded Schwab mm. against the rest of the benchmark. Um, and I had a couple others actually earmarked for me to kind of play a, an over-exaggerated bounce play. So something like CME Group was on that list. And all I did, I, I did this on a YouTube live session on Monday. I walked people through exactly how I thought about it. I literally just pulled up the heat map of the sector and I saw all of the red and mm-hmm. I looked at different names that I that were essentially counter trend. So as the market was like dying on Monday, well, the, the financial sector was dying on Monday. There right. was still a handful of individual um, tickers within XLF that were holding steady. That makes sense. Exactly. Because... And that that kind of divergence is very tradable. So I was structuring stuff. Um, around that so it was individual trades but i actually didn't get as many names as i thought we were going to start to see some better fall through so like one of them was goldman sachs i Mm -hmm. i actually thought that they were going to be um one of the ones to pivot a little faster alongside morgan stanley and both of those i didn't trade them but i had them on a short list because i thought i was going to trade them to the long side Mm -hmm. and obviously that ain't the case because they're still sucking wind Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Um, well, I mean, with the, the, all the turmoil that's happened with SVB, like Bank of America is one of the names that popped up on uh, the story that I've got here. Uh, they saw an extra fifteen billion in customer deposits recently. Yeah, um, yeah people, from the uh, people I, getting yeah from the people getting yeah. scared from their smaller banks and thinking that there's safety in the bigger ones. Well, one of the things I, I was literally talking to to my wife about, and like we have you know a, quite a bit of money in like my brokerage account, and mm-hmm. one of the things I was thinking about is one, pretty good timing on moving some of that into commercial real estate, but then <laughs> right. two for like the capital that still remains over the FDIC insured limits. Like we're, I, I literally started opening up bank accounts in the primary banks for the last two days because I need to split up chunks of $250,000 between uh, several banks, right? To, to cover the capital. And I was like, this is- That's stupid, isn't it? This is fucking crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> why is it's like, why are we still stick to that? Like what's the point of having an FDIC limit for per account if there's not a cap on the max number of accounts that you can have? Yeah, dude, it's in, I think it's maybe to spread the risk between different institutions. Um, mm. But the, oh, the does it have to is, be at a different bank or is it each account at the same bank? Um, that I don't know, to be honest with you. So I yeah. purposely started opening accounts with different banks. So Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a few uh, JP Morgan and a, like three others. And the reason I was thinking is even if it's FDIC insured, Sometimes it can take a long time, right, for mm-hmm. it essentially to to pay itself out the way that we would want it to. Right. So you have the ability to at least ideally access cash in another bank if it's not also taken down. It just kind of spreads some of the risk. Yeah, man, like if the whole banking thing started to go down, it doesn't absolve all of it, but it just mitigates risk from at least a liquidity standpoint for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the I like the concept or what you're talking about with the the trading uh, uh this being a tradable event so like let's take a look at xlf because i think that one makes the most sense to to take a look at it's probably the easiest one to to wrap my head around like how would you structure a trade here to to capitalize on this event i think it's late now if the goal yeah. was to trade the the initial move like i i did and i wanted to mm-hmm. but i don't i don't think that it's completely passed. And there's a couple things that I think can be done here. This is not where I would want to start getting long yet. I think it's a little too too early. If I wanted to get long, I would do kind of what I was talking to you about before, where I would go through the different sectors and I would find the strength and I would trade the individual strong points. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, for XLF itself, the kind of stuff I would be looking at is mostly centered around volatility because volatility is still very, very high. Yeah. Yes. So if we look at the volatility for today, the 15th, um, the seven day vol is 
40.5%, 30-day vol, same. Seven-day vol for historic is 34 against 23 for 30-day. So what, what that means in a nutshell is implied volatility is tracking quite a bit higher than realized, even right okay. now, even after everything that happened after that initial move. Because what happens in these kind of things is the market tends to be sleepy and we get this huge move. So on that first day of the catalyst, that's normally when you'll see realized volatility exceed implied volatility. Because, you know, to say what I say to my dog, you know, like, caught you slipping. But then from there, <laughs> they start adjusting all their pricing models, infusing it with a shit ton of volatility, because now obviously the risk is known, and then it becomes a volatility trade. From So that's the overall hypothesis. And I think mm -hmm. there's a few ways you can trade it. The primary way I've been trading it is short DTE options, either in um, XLF or in something like... Um, well, I'm sorry, in, in like the 17 March or the 24 March, something like that. Okay, so like less than a week to a week out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Really trying to expose ourselves. Um, really, that, that's the main idea is to, to really try to expose ourselves um, to the shorter term movements. Okay, so then you're basically, are you shorting calls or puts or do you not really care about direction necessarily? Yeah, so it's either going to be straddles or strangles for something like this. Okay, so more like an iron condor kind of thing. Yeah, except not an iron condor because I hate them. Well, yeah, because you don't like the capped risk, right? Or capped uh, yeah. upside. Well, it's also just because the what I'm trying to trade in this scenario is essentially variance risk premiums. Mm -hmm. And the very thing that I'm attempting to trade because I think it's overpriced, I essentially am buying it at the same time when I buy the wings. So if yeah. I'm really concerned about the risk, I would buy the downside wing pretty far out just to cap. But other than that, I don't want to, I essentially don't want to do that because then right, right. it inherently disproves my own hypothesis. Oh, damn. The 40 calls have a uh, crazy uh, of implied volatility, but they also have zero price. <laughs> All right. Um, one of the other things that has uh, happened with with all this turmoil in the baking sector uh, that we hadn't quite touched on yet. I mean, we had February CPI numbers come out. They were pretty much in line. Uh, but I've been watching that market watch calendar that you turned us on to where you can keep track of uh, the, the chances of a rate hike versus, you know, like what the or what the expectations are going into the next FOMC meeting. Right. And uh, it was super interesting watching the expectations for March go from basically expecting a 50 bit hike to now we're 50 50 over whether it's going to be a quarter point or hold flat and no hike. Watching that evolve has been absolutely fascinating. That and the December one, somebody turned me on to that and I was looking back at the history on there watching how like now we're predicting rate cuts down to what is it? Three, seven, five to 400 as the target rate. That's freaking nuts. So I guess the question is, did the Fed overdo it? Too early to tell, man. But I do think, <laughs> nonetheless, the Fed is starting to see some of the shit that they're breaking, which right, that in and right. of itself, I think is so, so important. I wonder if that was like their, their strategy to start with. Like, we're just going to raise this thing up as fast as we can until something starts to break and then we'll stop. We'll back off. Maybe. I, part of me does think that 
there's a breakdown with what they were expecting to happen and when mm. at least. Yeah. That, that, I'm, I'm not sure otherwise, but to me, I, I am, I am confused to see them. If you watch them speaking this past, you know, a couple of weeks, right. They were seemingly surprised that this had started to occur. And I, I, to me, I just don't understand how you could be surprised about <laughs> I that. Know, right? It's almost like they don't know what they're doing. Right. Except they do. They do. And they're super fucking smart. So it's just super fucking complicated. Exactly. Dude. Extremely complex system. Yeah. 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 All right. What else we got? Anything else we should cover before we uh, wrap things up here? No, man. I think uh, I don't know if you want to let everybody know about the the call that we're planning coming up to see if anybody has anything that they're interested in for that. Oh, with the uh, with an actual economist. Yeah, with an actual economist. Yes, uh, coming up. Let's see. When are we going to record that? We've got it on the calendar for Tuesday, the twenty first, uh, at six p.m. So before then, if you can get us your economist questions in, uh, we'll make sure to ask while we got. Uh, shop fan our shop favorite uh eric mason with us done a couple of recordings with him he's just a fucking blast to, to hang out with uh he actually said he was familiar with you too and i'm not sure how that happened that's terrifying <laughs> have you have you talked to him before or did you uh maybe just have some overlap with some of the shows that he listens to yeah i don't think so that's funny i think the main questions that we're going to be asking getting his uh understanding on is why economists don't trade but happy to open that up to, to anything else. Yeah. Cause I think that this goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Like the two different brains that we can apply to the markets. There's, yes, yes. A, yeah, there, there's an understanding and then there's a practical side. So I, I think this is a really interesting dialogue, especially because you and I have a little bit more of a, the, the practical side of things. Mm -hmm. That's definitely where I wait my time and effort but it'll be cool to juxtapose that against more of a theoretical construction side. And I, you know, obviously I don't mean the construction of a house, <laughs> right? I simply mean the construction and the framework of the markets themselves. So I think that would be a fun dialogue. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting topics that can be baked into that for people. Um, I, some of the stuff I fully intend to ask him wrap around finding that delicate balance from a trader's perspective, not from the economist perspective, but from a trader's perspective, like what are the no shit need to know oh, economic yes. data points and why, yes. what's the easiest way to get them? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Cause I think that's, that's like really elucidating information. I have a list that I've built over the last, you know, 16 years doing this, but I'm always still interested in that kind of information. So yeah, I think stuff like that would be really useful. So if you're any of your listeners, you know, have questions like that is a great forum to send them in for us to discuss. I love it. You got anything else coming up uh, that people should be paying attention to? Um, I did just launch a big old fat video on, it's kind of like an introduction to options. There's a million of them out there and I'm not trying to, redo what everybody's done but what i did was exactly that <laughs> but i love it <laughs> my, my goal was to just apply a slightly different perspective where i offered the level of detail that i thought was important for beginners probably a little bit more detailed than some of the other videos i've seen of this nature but my goal is for it to be like a reference tool for people yeah so that you can kind of pull it up because it's an hour and 18 minutes long i don't think anybody's going to make it through that whole thing but my, the, what'd you do? Read that book you're always uh, holding up on the on the camera? Yeah, yeah. It's dude. If I read that <laughs> book, 
I literally think the video would probably be like 20 something hours long. Um, it'd still be better than Yale's version. Dude, yeah, I'm wondering if they have a derivatives market thing. That would be actually really, really interesting to see. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up then. Um, it's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. I'd like to say thank you to everyone who stuck around to the end. And Eric, of course, for, for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. If you'd like to know more about Eric, of course, you can visit his website at esinvest.com. And you can also check him out on his YouTube channel, the same name. Find us at twobullsinachinashop.com. Be back in your ears soon with another exciting episode. But until then, pillage that five-star rating like it's SVB's assets and take care. That's a good one. You've done your, I'm waiting for your buy. I got to get your buy in. You've outdone yourself there. <laughs> uh, that was a last-minute one, too. Mm. Goodbye. Bye, Eric. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades. Also, I saw somebody in the company was under investigation for, I don't know if that, was that Credit Seuss? Oh, shit. I might have to cut that, hon. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs>